This wasn't a Nashville problem. This is a national problem. The biggest single complaint from everybody was, we can't find tech talent. My response to that for years had been, we're going to have to grow our own. And having lived in some of those other cities, I knew that they had the same kind of shortage of tech talent that we did. I believe very strongly that, yeah, you can drag people in from other cities, but you ultimately got to feed fresh talent into the bottom of the talent pool every year and then grow them. That is John Work, founder and CEO of Nashville Software School. NSS has had a front row view of Nashville's explosive tech growth over the last decade. So in our kickoff episode of this new short series presented by NSS, John takes us back to the early days and shares how this unique nonprofit software bootcamp has grown with Nashville to meet the needs of the tech community while providing opportunities to those seeking paths to tech careers over the last 10 years. My name's Clark Buckner. I'm a self-proclaimed NSS fanboy, and I'm here to celebrate with you NSS's 10-year anniversary. I've had the lucky chance to interview a majority of NSS graduates over the years. Those can be found in our Stories from the Hackery series. This show, however, 10 Years, 2,000 Journeys, is dedicated to the tremendous growth of our Nashville tech community. Together, we've seen a lot over the last decade, and now we get the chance to look ahead to the next one. It's gonna be fun to see what the next three or four years have in them. If you'd have asked me five years ago for my vision for now, a lot of the stuff we're doing wouldn't have been in there because it's like, who knew Nashville was gonna go where it's gone? We would absolutely love to hear from you. Visit NashvilleSoftwareSchool.com to learn more about the show and be part of supporting the next decade of NSS. And now, our conversation with John. How did how did all this start? Like, I don't think I've heard this story. I was actually on Twitter the other day saying, hey, I'm about to sit down with John to ask this. And Julia Polk said, you should ask him about when he came over to the Flow Thinkery. So that's Mark Montgomery's spot. You yeah. know, some yeah. entrepreneurs, Julia Polk, entrepreneur. So how, how did this start? Well, it, it actually, as we sit here in your spiffy new studio. This is fancy. At, at the EC, the catalyst for it was actually in the old original EC down on Broadway in summer of 2011. I was mentoring in Jumpstart Foundry, one of the companies that was in that first Jumpstart Foundry cohort. You know, I got to meet all of the other mentors, all of the, you know, the entrepreneurs that were trying to start companies. And I kind of got re-exposed to something I knew was already going on. I mean, all of us at, at that time, every quarter, the NTC ran a, uh, I mean, not the NTC, but the Business Journal ran a front page article not enough tech talent, right? Todd Featherly always was sending the stats out every quarter. Not enough tech talent, 800 open jobs this quarter, right? And he was a past NTC. He was the NTC president, president at that time. President at the time, okay. Yeah. You know, we were always hearing this, but sort of that summer being around those 10, 11 companies that were, were in Jumpstart Foundry, I think all of which had a tech component. And the biggest single complaint from everybody was we couldn't find a developer. We couldn't, you know, we can't find tech talent. I'm like, it's the same story. And I, I believe very strongly that, yeah, you can drag people in from other cities, but you ultimately have to grow your own, right? And then, you know, some people are going to opt out and do other things. Hey, great. That's the same as every other business and industry. But 
you know, I felt like we could grow talent. And I, again, getting re-exposed or getting that sort of immersion with 10 or 11 startups trying to do it all at the same time. Um, and then some of the tech mentors who work for bigger companies in town sort of reinforcing some things. That's really cool. So you were there basically to give feedback, mentorship, validation, potentially. And through that, you started to get your own validation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It got my, you know, I'd done five startups at that point. So it got my entrepreneurial spidey sense tingling. It's like, okay, there's a need here. That is so cool. Now, you were there. Now, how did you start to get some of the folks involved? Like... Julia yeah. and Mark and and this you started this as a nonprofit. Yeah, we decided. So I worked on it sort of after the Jumpstart Foundry cohort wrapped up. Starting in August, I started to work kind of part time on this idea, and it was actually one of the other young t- tech people that was associated with that cohort that had actually p- planted the seed, the real seed, the real catalyst was a guy named Scott Clousing, who's. Uh, who is a develop? Who's a developer and who's uh, self-taught, right? He 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 learned kind of from his parents and kind of on on the fly and while still in high school, um, and it reminded me of I learned on the job. I've never had a computer science class, right? And but I learned on the job, got mentored by good senior, and I got to thinking about all of the other developers I know. You know, we've never had enough tech talent, right? I mean, I go back to 1971. Colleges and universities have never been producing enough computer science students to fill all the programming jobs. And, you know, a lot of the computer science students don't go on to programming careers anyway. So, um, you know, we've always had to fill in from from other sources. And so I started getting other people involved by first talking to people in the developer community. So particularly open source developer community, you know, again, 2011, the tech community here was just a touch smaller than than it is now. You know, I found a bunch of individual developers, you know, kind of grassroots developers who thought it was a good idea, found some companies that, that you know, where I just sort of challenged them. I said, look, instead of complaining about there not being enough talent, if we can train some juniors, would you at least interview them? I don't, I don't, I don't want to guarantee you'll hire, but will you at least interview them? And if you will, then would you be willing to sort of help us out, you know, figure out the requirements for what their training should be? What skills would you like them to come out of the training with? Take, you know, we've always kind of taken a skills-driven approach to this. And so we got several companies in town, you know, senior engineers, CTOs, people started working with us on that. And that then... I don't remember how I got got connected with Marco originally. I think it was through Jumpstart. So I had no. I had, That's Mark Montgomery. Mark Montgomery, yeah, it, you know, and his uh, company at the time, and so we the got to flow talk, thinkery, flow thinkery, yeah, and so we got to talking about it, and Mark, in his sort of understated, inimitable fashion, you know, oh told me I was crazy several times, and. And we had several sessions at the whiteboard in his office, which were blast, challenging sort of my thoughts about the business model, right? Because ultimately I decided, I I think in January of 2012, that this would be a nonprofit. But I don't care whether you're a nonprofit or for-profit. You've got to generate revenue to sustain the organization, right? I mean, I know the traditional nonprofit model for most things is donor-driven, but, you know, in, in the 
2000s, that model started to break down for lots of nonprofits. So the whole idea of creating some sort of self-sustaining mechanism was very much present in all the the, the nonprofit world then. And so, you know, I'm like, can we create a business model that's self-sustaining, but where we're a nonprofit? So we don't have the conflict between the profit motive. And look, I'm a for-profit guy. All my other startups were for-profit, you know, you don't raise thirty million venture capital for one of them without having a profit motive. I think weren't you in like San Francisco or like you were like in some big big cities? Well, doing Chicago, this. mostly Chicago, Boston, and then Southern California. Okay. So um, Southern California before we moved here in two thousand five. So um, so um, but we decided on a on a nonprofit model, which you know certain some people kind of went away at that point because they could. They didn't see how they could make money by supporting us, which is like, okay, your choice. But, you know, Mark continued to be very supportive. And Mark, as he as he does, once – it's kind of like once I convinced Mark that there actually was a sustainable model here, you know, and had to overcome his objection, you know, and he, he thought of a lot of them. Um, he did? Oh, imagine that. Uh yeah, I mean, where are you going to get instructors? Where are you? Go? I mean, all these kind of great questions. Then he said, "Okay, we." I mean, he just like flipped on a dime. Literally in the same meeting, we went from "prove to me this works" to "all right, let's get some people to write checks, so that it doesn't have to be your own personal money only to get it started." Um, and that's how Julia got involved. Um, so yeah, Mark made some phone calls. He said, "Here's we're going to start. We're going to set up an advisory board, and we're going to ask everybody for five thousand um, dollars, and we'll promise them. You know, we'll, we're going to invite them all to an advisory board meeting, and we'll promise them we'll never have another meeting they have to come to as long as they bring their checkbook and write a five thousand dollar check." And he literally made the first phone call while we were sitting in his office. It was either to Julia or to Towns. Uh, Duncan. Towns wrote a check. Julia wrote a check. Mark wrote a check. He was the first to commit because he said, I'm not going to call anybody without me being committed. So eventually between Mark and I, we got seven individuals who wrote $5,000 checks. So $35,000 was the, you know, that and my checkbook was basically the the starting capital for the school. The, you start cohort one. Yeah, and so shortly we, after, yeah, we were we were taking applications at that point for the first cohort, so which started June, middle of June, twenty twelve. Yeah, but yeah, that's how we that's how we got started, and we bootstrapped with that resource with that money. Yeah, all, all the way. We we really didn't take any other donations or any other money for I don't know years. So you get your first room. First building. I remember this place. Yeah. The, How would you describe it? Oh, uh, dingy. Um, they had a, oh, a, probably a 50-person capacity meeting room. That's uh, great. Uh, conference room, which didn't get used that much. And so they were willing to rent it to us with a few occasional days carved out. Um, but, you know, the railroad tracks are right on the other side of the driveway. And... Um, and there were two ceiling-mounted HVAC units that when they came on, it was like somebody fired up a DC-9 in the room. Um, 
And so, um, you know, it leaked under the back doors when the rain came from a certain direction. But, you know, it, let me see if I've said this one before. It was cheap. <laughs> okay, so first building, boom. That's cohorts one, two, and cohort three started there. All right, and then, then you move. 283 plus park, cohort three finished there and graduated there. And then, yeah, cohorts through cohort 10 graduated there. Then, you know, we were lucky enough to get connected uh, with the, with Rob Belafont, who is the landlord at Tech Hill Commons. You know, Rob had just bought that b building, which was mm -hmm. a 1975 era uh, office building. It was going to be re rehabbing it and, and did a tremendous job. And we were lucky enough to be able to get the third floor and that, you know, that the the tech council got the second floor. Uh -huh. So upstairs. I think National Soccer Club was there at some point. And well, they came in as we were leaving, leaving. and then near at the newest place. But yeah, we've got we've got some nice you know we've got nice space. We've grown from that first cohort in 2012 to 414 graduates in 2021, which is up from 360 or something 40. Anyways, I don't remember exactly, but. We've we've scaled pretty steadily through both more more cohorts in the existing programs. So our original web development program, we went from one cohort a year to two to four to six to now eight. We added a part-time version of that, which went from one to two for a long time, and then finally four now. And then we've added new programs. We added our data science program in 2017, and we added our data analytics program in 2019, I think. So, you know, we've been adding programs. We also have now our IT infrastructure program, which we only offer that as part of a partnership that we have with the Greater Nashville Technology Council called the GoTech program and uh, volunteer state community college and Nashville state community colleges. And that's all funded with a, one of the governor's, one of the give grants from the state of Tennessee. But so that program started last, early last year, just as COVID hit, as a matter of fact, our first day of class was like March 23rd. We had one day in the classroom. Uh, wow. So, um, and that program's great because that program is actually because of the give grant that's free tuition for everybody that's able to do that. So, you know, we've been able to expand the scope of what we're doing both through our own efforts, but then increasingly through partnerships and things is, I, you know, I think as we've proven that NSS is effective, right. That, you know, our it, graduates do go to work, right. And are successful, you know, and that was our intent from the beginning is let's prove it works and if we prove it works, we'll get opportunities then for other things. And what I always love is no matter what someone's background is, they can change their lives. Oh, oh yeah. They can change their lives. You know, right. We're, we're in the business of giving people the opportunity to do that, but they do the heavy lift, right? They've got to learn the skills. They, they get the job, you know, but yeah, we've been able to give the opportunity to start a new career in general, make a lot more money for themselves and their families. Um, and yeah, we regularly have students come back and say, thank you for changing my life. And our standard 
response to that, I mean, first of all, is you're welcome. But second is you changed your life. We did not change your life. You proactively made the decision to, to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, and about half of the students, well, half the students we provide financial support for, you know, either partial scholarships or what's called our opportunity tuition. About 45% of our students the, in 2021 got opportunity tuition, which is a, it's basically, it's a deferred tuition program. But I think what's significant about it is it's funded out of our cash flow. I mean, we basically run the school on half of the tuition dollars for our students in any given year, because half the tuition dollars are deferred until people graduate and get a job. If they don't graduate, they don't owe us a penny of it. And if they don't get a job within a year of job search, they, they don't owe us a penny of it. But the vast majority of our opportunity tuition students do graduate, they do get jobs, they do pay us back, which is basically a form of paying it forward because that's funding the next generation of opportunity tuition students. So there's this, I don't know, I think it's a really, I don't know what the right word for it is, but it's it's a really nice pay it forward mechanism for the students who got the opportunity this year to give another opportunity to another student in three years when they've paid us back. So, and that's an, that is a very unusual feature of what we do at the scale we do it at. Right. I mean, lots of schools give a couple people a scholarship for the full amount or whatever. But, you know, to have half your students funded by your own cash flow is I don't know of another school in the country who does what we do there. There are definitely other nonprofits, but the, I think the opportunity tuition is still a little different. And it's kind of our it's kind of a proof point to the community that we just don't sort of talk the talk, right? We're, we've got our own money, our own future at risk, which is, you know, that's, I think it's a little unusual. So let's talk about the life-changing part of this, mm. this equation. So 90% of graduates, first job in Nashville, 75%-ish, are going to continue to stay in Nashville. This is helping this tech job shortage of people to fill the jobs, plenty of tech jobs, but we need people to fill the jobs. Yeah. And not only are people getting these new skills, they, you know, what is it? Quit your crappy job. Was that the old catchphrase? Are you oh, still yeah. saying that? Well, yeah, we use that. Yeah. The Nashville scene gave us in their annual, their, their annual awards. Uh, a few years ago, we got one of their editor's choice awards Best way to ditch your crappy job was to come to Nashville Software School. So yeah, we absolutely still use that. I mean, it's totally it's it's totally true, and it by a reputable journalistic outlet. Yes, yeah, you have been. Yeah, absolutely. Now these old old crappy jobs. Hey, I mean the money that you can make at these jobs. It's not going to help people stay in Nashville. There's a real problem. As oh. I hear people talk about, and you've been in Nashville for a long time now, I mean, I see people often on Twitter saying, I, I mean, I've been living here my whole life. I can't buy a home. Yeah. I'm kind of stuck. What do I do? Do I stay here in the town I love? Because people do love the friendliness, the music, the creative, yep. just the overall vibe. But it's, it's running a lot of people out. It's gotten a lot more expensive, Clark. And we all know, you know, I mean, we all know that. This is one way that people can secure an income that's going to 
keep them at a level where they can stay in the Nashville area, right? You know, our graduates, and, and this is something we we watch, we've really watched the last two years, is what what's the average, what's the median starting salary for an NSS graduate? The median starting salary for an NSS grad in this last year was $60,000, which is pretty much exactly the same as it was two years ago. But the other thing about these jobs is, I mean, those are starting salaries, right? I know a lot of our grads who are making mid six figures now after four or five years. Uh, and that's not only going to change their lives. That's going to change a generation's oh, life. Oh, it, it cha- yeah. It, it changes their kids' lives. It changes. We don't focus a lot on the, the dollars, because we know that all of these tech careers pay well, right? What we hope is, is that we're connecting people with a career that they will find enjoyable and sustainable for a long time, or that can lead to other things. I mean, I always tell our graduates, I don't know where learning to code will lead you. I don't know what doors it's going to open for our grads. I don't know what becoming a data scientist will do for them or becoming a data analyst will, will do for them. But I think the potential is unlimited because software is in everything else we do today, right? There's probably a few million lines of code in all of this gear you've got in this studio. That's wild to think of. This is right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you're right. You know, kind of back to our students. I mean, hopefully, they're going to find something in this career that that connects with them. And if they do that, then they're going. They're also going to be able to make really good money, right? And maybe make a gener- you know, a wholesale change in generations of their family's outcomes. It certainly did it for me. So two years before I got into programming, you know, when I first got out of high school, I was driving a forklift in an RCA record warehouse. So it helped to get into IT for me. Those opportunities are still there for people in Nashville. But one of the challenges there is making sure everybody knows that those opportunities exist. We've had refugees, we've had immigrants, we've had musicians, we've had, we've had, you know, multiple family members. Oh, oh my go goodness! Oh my goodness! Well. Yeah, we've had four. Renu and her, and later on, her dad went through. Renu and her sister-in-law and her dad. She's cohort eight, I think, or yeah, nine, maybe. Yeah, and and we've had spouses go through. We've had. People meet and become spouses after NSS. That has happened too. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've even had uh, at least one dual, you know, dual alumni marriage ceremony at NSS where they wanted to have their wedding ceremony at NSS. Now I think that's mainly because it's really hard to rent a location for (laughs) on short notice for a wedding, but also they met at NSS, you know, and it's like that they're like, you know, I could tell that they weren't quite sure how to approach us with that, but it was like, oh, absolutely, we can do that. There's this theme of no one being left behind yep. in this new Nashville. And you're just talking through the diverse population of students you've gone through. This, I did want to talk with you about the newest Amazon collaboration. This is huge news. It's yeah. a big deal. What is the Amazon collaboration like? I want to hear it right from the source. Well, the the goal of the Amazon collaboration is to launch a new program. So it's a software engineering program. So it's focused, it's a little bit differently focused than our than our full stack web development program. Those are normally six months. That's certain yeah, languages. Six month full time, 
you know, three months of front-end development, so JavaScript and all the front-end languages, three months of server-side development. This program is nine months full-time and almost entirely focused, 80 to 90% focused on server-side. So this is for, for building the most demanding server-side type applications, the most scalable, high-performance, you know, kind of global reach and cloud-based, right? So cloud-based deployment, you know, so one of the specializations in our program is AWS, which is Amazon's cloud platform, and Java, which is a programming language, server-side language that we have not been teaching, but is one of the ones very commonly used by Again, sort of the largest scale, people building the largest scale, most performant requirement uh, applications. So the collaboration is really based around a program that Amazon developed for internal use. So they originally developed this a few years ago, uh, started running classes, I think 2017, I would swear I've got that right, but that must be about right, that allows them to bring, they use it internally as a source of new programming talent because they've got the same problem everybody does. They can't hire enough talent. The bar at Amazon for hiring talent is very high. Computer science degree, usually from the best schools, and it's a rigorous interviewing process. They're training people to get through their interviewing process. So they consider graduates of this program from their internal program to have the equivalent of a bachelor's degree in computer science. That's how kind of rigorous the program is. So they've run several cohorts through. They run it as like an internal boot camp. Uh, students must already be working for Amazon. I think they have to have been at Amazon a year. They go through a, a pretty rigorous screening process. Well, and they approached us. <laughs> it was kind of funny. They they dropped in. They they didn't know how to get any hold of anybody at NSS out of Seattle. So they they used the the contact form on the our info website. At or the yeah, contact. info at, yeah, and said, Hey, I'm I'm a program manager for Amazon and we'd like to talk about see if you'd like to do work with us on this program. And I, we're like, Yeah, sure, you're from yeah, right. Yeah, Amazon's gonna reach out. Well on turn, the contact page. On the contact page on our website. Well, it turns out it was real. And so we started talking with them in February. Their interest in us was, you know. What they've said to us is we're in Nashville, and that's obviously an important geographic location for them because of the operations center. You know, we've got a successful boot camp operation already, training people with non-technical backgrounds. So we've got a track record of success. We're a nonprofit. I think that was something that the team was interested in at, at Amazon. But just seeing this other pathway that we would be able to offer in this time when we're getting Again, it seems like this constant drumbeat of announcements, right? We had Oracle with eight, uh, with 8,500 jobs, Cap Gemini in the last week with 500 to 1,000 new j technical jobs. This just seems to... Right. So how do we create more pathways for more Nashvillians, right? We've always said that we would, we would grow to the extent that the Nashville job market could needed more talent. We never thought we'd get this big. I mean... In 2012, I never thought that Nashville, I mean, what is this, Nashville? I mean, but, you know, with with the demand, we'll, having having the ability to offer a new program that could almost double our throughput in a period of two or three years, independent of any other growth, to create that many more opportunities, 
for Nashvillians. It's really amazing. Just to pause for a moment to recognize that you did get that contact form from Amazon out, <laughs> you know, out from Seattle. Hey, we would love to talk about working with you. I mean, going from a couple people here downtown, passing around some ideas, putting a couple thousand dollars in, and now you're, you know, Nashville on the map in a big way with one of the world's largest, most valuable companies. It's pretty, it's pretty special. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it, it's very nice. I love it. Uh, one other question that I saw on Twitter, I've not checked it recently, but last night, uh, Kelly Griggs, formerly Kelly Booth was <laughs> talking about like, Hey, I'm really curious to hear about his vision. Basically, you know, you've, you all have, Hey, it's a team effort. You've come this far and so, everyone, what I love about it is everyone has like, you know, Thousands of people have their thumbprint on this story. So yep. as you're thinking about the future. Including right? Kelly's husband, who is a cohort one graduate. Wow. Look at that. So she was asking, like, hey, what's the vision for the future? Right? Like what what do you think is next? What do you think the next 10 years plus? Well, anything over about three years in tech is a hallucination, not a vision. So I think there's two or three elements to it. So one of them is creating more career pathways. We, we've got our full stack web development program, you know, path into soft web development jobs, software engineering jobs there. We've got the new software engineering, very server side oriented, rolling out with Amazon over the next couple of years. So there's a lot of work to do on that one yet. We've got data analytics and data science as, as career paths. So we're working with some employers uh, who have been hiring out of our other programs who are suggesting some other career paths, a couple of which are emergent, right? They're new job types, right? Just like data science wasn't a thing when we started the school nine years ago. There's other new t job types sort of emerging. And we've had employers reach out and say, hey, we just can't hire X, this kind of thing. So we're we're doing some active work on, on researching, designing a potential new program for 2023 timeframe for yet another new career path. And that allows us to la help launch more careers. One of our, in our sort of strategic vision through 2025, 2026, uh, one of the metrics we have is careers launched, which is our boot camps are designed to help people launch careers. Um, and we've got a target to get to 5,000 by the end of 2025. Uh, the Amazon program will help us get very close to that. But, you know, if we can drive by those numbers. That's great. You know, and like I said, we're at 1600 and something right now. Um, so that's, I think that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of our goals is we do want to increase the percentage of students who were able to provide uh, financial opportunity to financial support, right? So removing more of the barrier, the economic barriers to doing this, right? So, um, you know, the, the SE program, because it's nine months full-time, it's $18,000. That's a hefty chunk of change. So finding more ways, and we will offer opportunity tuition to target half of the students in that program, but we want to get high a higher percentage of our students who were able to provide through our resources or relationships with partners tuition either deferred or paid so that it becomes more an issue of just do you have the motivation and aptitude and can you carve out the time and remove as much as possible of those of 
of those financial barriers, or at least lower them. So we're going to keep focusing on career launches, trying to find partners and working with the NTC and people on how do we let, how do we make sure everybody knows? How do we, how do we work on this don't leave people behind problem? Because I think if we don't leave people behind, we can satisfy most of this job growth demand. We know we're going to stay online with a lot of classes. We're never going to come back to having 100% of our classes in person, but we will always have online classes, you know, because we think that's a way to draw more talent to Nashville. Nobody does more to place junior talent into jobs in Nashville than our career development team. And so even if we've got a student who's online from North Carolina or Kansas or central Illinois, or these are all current student examples, yeah, fine. Let's let's let them stay where they are, which is probably for them a less expensive place to learn from since we can now help them learn online. But when it comes time for job, then our career development team can help them tap into all of this growth we're having outside that window here in Nashville. So so I think our our short-term focus will be much more around more ways to launch more careers less on the continuing ed. Not that we're giving up on that, but it's just, you know, there's only so many resources when you're a bootstrap nonprofit. So we're also working on kicking off a fundraising effort to build an endowment so that we don't have to bootstrap all of our growth. Probably more on that next year. This has been a lot of fun. I've been wanting to just sit down and and see you. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, I have... Just absolutely love the opportunity to meet all these amazing people and get to work with your whole team over the years. I'm always so inspired by these folks. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Our team is what makes this happen, right? I get to be the face of this group, which is unfortunate (laughs) because there are better faces in the group than mine. But I, I get to take credit in some respects for the work of all of our staff all of our instructors who could all make more money as developers than they than we can afford to pay them as instructors, all of our part-time instructors who work full-time day jobs as developers or data analysts or data scientists, and then come and teach classes a couple nights a week and a Saturday at NSS. So that's what makes all this work is a lot of effort by a lot of people who I th- who I think all find something in our mission in the impact we're having that they can connect to. And I, it's, I think it's different things for different people, but I think there's, there's something in how we're helping people that connects with a lot of folks. And that's awesome. I mean, that, that's kind of an amazing part of, 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 you know, what we're able to do and, you know, having these communities within communities, all these NSS grads here and that bigger Nashville tech community, which are part of the bigger Nashville community. I mean, that's, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing. So it'll be really, it's going to be fun to see what the next three or four years have in them. I, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago for my vision for now, a lot of the stuff we're doing wouldn't have been in there because it's like, who knew Nashville was going to go where it's, it's gone. Right. So we're just going to try to hold on and <laughs> stay up with what's going on. Thank you. 
Since my interview with John at the end of 2021, NSS has graduated another 200 students and expects to reach 2,000 graduates by the end of September 2022. Thanks for listening. 10 Years, 2,000 Journeys, Celebrating 10 Years of Tech in Nashville is presented by Nashville Software School in celebration of their 10-year anniversary. Follow on Apple Podcasts or subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite shows. If you'd like to help them continue their mission of creating opportunities for tech careers, or you'd like to start a tech career of your own, visit their website, nashvillesoftwareschool.com.